Oh my god, y'all. Oh my god, y'all. I go to pick up my five-year-old at a birthday party. Little girl comes to the door and she goes, I know you. I go, you don't know me. She says, I know you and your little daughter's my best friend. I go, no, she's not. You don't even know my little daughter. She's like, your little daughter's name's Rami, and she's my best friend. I said, hold on. My daughter's name is Rami. How do you know that? And she said, she's my best friend. I already told you that. And I'm like, hold the phone. What's your name? And she says, Sloan. And I said, Sloan, that's a pretty name. But honestly, how do you know my daughter? Because she's not here right now. She's not with me. Do you just know the name somehow and you got lucky with that guess? And Sloan says, no, Myla told me her name. And I'm like, Sloan, how old are you? And she's like, three. And I was like, three? You do not know my baby daughter, Rami. And she's like, yes, I do know Rami. She's my best friend. I go, she ain't your best friend, Sloan. And at that point, Sloan looks at my shoes and she goes, I love your shoes. And I was like, Sloan, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Bless your heart, Sloan. And it's just me talking to this little three-year-old in the walkway i haven't even walked into the birthday party to pick up my daughter and it was a drop them off birthday party with parents love because it means we get a little respite means we can go grocery shopping without little gremlins yipping and yapping in our face the whole time at trader joe's can i have a lollipop can we ask him if we get a lollipop first you gotta find the sea otter you know how it works Anyway, Sloan is talking my ear off, and I forget that I gotta pick up the five-year-old and bring her to the playground, because the day must go on, but this girl was in an elegant formal dress, and I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna have a conversation with this girl, and she says, how's your Remy doing? I said, Remy's doing good, but you sure you know her? She goes, I told you, it's my best friend and i said good lord you sure you're three because you be talking like a 33 year old sloan she goes i get that a lot i have an old soul i say you do have an old soul sloan anyways where is myla and she said she's in the back doing her thing and i was like what is her thing sloan and sloan's like i don't even know sometimes that girl's bouncing off the walls hanging from the chandeliers getting wild in the ball pit and i'm like sloan how do you know my other daughter so well because that's a perfect description and she stopped for a moment and she said are you wearing lavender essential oil i said sloan how you know i'm wearing lavender essential oil she goes i have a nose for that type of thing i said you're damn right i'm wearing lavender essential oil today because i'm trying to relax sloan i ain't trying to get all this hyper birthday energy and she goes i know what you mean birthday parties are a little crazy for me too i said sloan you're three years old what you mean birthdays are crazy she said i thought i told you i'm an old soul i said you did mention that but i still think this is fiction and she said it ain't fiction i'm three years old my name is sloan and your baby remy's my best friend i said shut that up sloan you don't know remy anyways eight percent of that story is true eight percent of the story is true um but it's gonna stay with me you ever meet an articulate little kid and you're like oh my god this is fun just a kid who can talk and talk and give you adult compliments like I like your eyes and you're like, you mean it? It actually hits you. You're like, you mean it? Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, man. As Jeff Bridges would say, come on, man. We're just all trying to get by, right? I'm going to work on that, Jeff Bridges. You stay with me. Come on, man. All of us just doing our best, right?
That sounded better earlier. Uh, I should have flipped on the old mic when the Jeff Bridges came to me. Come on, man. You could try it right now. That's the key to a good Jeff Bridges. Just come on, man. Come on, man. Is that relevant at all? Has Jeff Bridges been in anything in the last 10 years? I don't know. I'm reaching this point, though. I'm reaching this point in my life where I'm giving up on the current stuff and I'm just going back. Like I said, we watched Ferris Bueller. It's better than any comedy today. So I'm just going back. What else? What else is out there from the mid-80s that I remember loving that I could go back and visit? You could try my hit movie Crazy Heart, man. Crazy Heart. Is that what it's called with Maggie Gyllenhaal? Where he's just so drunk the whole movie. He's a country star, Jeff Bridges, Crazy Heart. Sipping on whiskey for two hours, just slowly killing himself, but it's compelling. Isn't that crazy how Hollywood could bring you in, bring you into one person's life and make you feel so many things? Like, why am I feeling so many things? This connects to me. This script connects to me. My wife and I were watching a terrible Michael Sarah movie the other night called The Adults. I'll tell you why it was terrible in a moment, but halfway through, even though we both agreed it was terrible, we're like, we're kind of thinking about our families. Are you thinking about your family? She's like, yeah. You think, yeah, yeah, for some reason. Makes you think about your family. It's about siblings. It's about how you grow up. You still have the bond. You still have the love, but there could be distance, actual physical distance. Like you might not live in the same city anymore as your siblings. You don't see them enough. You don't talk enough. But when you do see them, you connect with like an inside joke from when you were six years old. And all of a sudden that inside joke means a lot again. You're like, oh my God, I haven't thought about that in so long. Yeah. And maybe you had a little choreographed dance or maybe you did a little voice together. And that's charming, right? Because then you reconnect as adults. and You're like, oh, we still got that bond. How nice. You know, life kind of progressed. We all became adults, so we all got a little more serious. But sometimes you can lapse back into some childhood energy, and it's fun, and it's fun. So if the movie was like 30 minutes, it would have been fine. But it was just endless baby talk and dumb voices and choreography. And you're like, oh, this is for theater nerds. Oh, this movie is just to showcase these actors' audition talents. You can just see, like, whoever auditioned for the movie, they're like, can you do this? Can you do that? Are you a triple threat? Can you do a crazy voice? And then a wild little pantomime into a funny dance. Okay, let's incorporate that into the movie. So the story was like 20%, and then the rest is just talent show bullshit. And it wasn't good. And when the credits are rolling, I'm like, another movie that's forgettable. Back to you, James, in the studio. I can't remember the last great movie I saw. Great where, like, the credits are rolling, and you're so taken aback that you don't even touch the remote, you just watch all the credits because you're so moved and you immediately need to talk about it and think about it for days. Movies like that, it's been a while. Most movies are not that. Most movies just fill your time. Just bridge the gap of relaxation and recreation and reconciliation and retaliation and retribution no one needs cajun man cajun man come on i'm starting to get it again cajun man was a good character man sandler would come on update he'd sit there with kevin nealon man cajun man was okay cajun man was better than opera man i said it as if that'll spark a hot debate speaking of snl i just finished the leslie jones memoir by the way snl's back 
Okay, and if you're like me and you're always searching and searching and searching for a show, but you just like what's familiar, even if it's not good, you like what's familiar. It's like my pillows on my bed. I have the shittiest pillows. I have the worst pillows, but they're mine. They're mine. It's like your favorite stuffed animal from when you were a kid. It's all mangled and stained now, and it's ripped apart, but you're like, it's still wonderful. It's still mine. I don't know if that applies to any adults who still have stuffed animals. That's weird. But my pillows are awful, but they're familiar, so I love them. Saturday Night Live, it's not a great show anymore, but I need it. And there was a writer's strike, and then the writer's strike ended, and then it returned on Saturday with Pete Davidson, and it was a decent episode. None of them are great anymore. Most of them are bad, but just being with SNL, my friends at Studio 8H, it feels good. And what did I do in the meantime? I had to get my SNL fix, so I did read the Leslie Jones memoir, which has more swear words, more profanity than any memoir in the history of books. I am not guessing. I am proclaiming that that is a fact. Leslie Jones wrote a memoir as if it was just the text to your voice, like talk to type, and she's just rambling. And there's a lot of heart to it. There's some excitement. It's funny at times. But what stayed with me, I mean, there was a lot that stayed with me. I mean, obviously, when folks who didn't grow up in the hood read about the experience of the hood, as Leslie writes about, she says, look, I grew up in the hood. This is probably going to enlighten a lot of you of the horrors of what we African-Americans deal with and then the trauma that we have to navigate through as we grow up. So there's a lot of sadness to her family that moved around to her mom that had a stroke and died young, her dad died young, her brother died young. And by the time she's in her 40s, she's just a comedian. When I say just a comedian, she's not a famous comedian yet. She's not on Saturday Night Live until she's like 47 years old. That's very old for a cast member. But with age, she was bold enough to seize the opportunity. And that's what I'm learning. It's a great philosophy to live by. This is delicate, this thing we call life. This is fragile, okay? You never know what's going to happen. So seize the day, right? It's easy to say, but when Leslie Jones, Leslie Jones, when Leslie Jones finally got her meeting with Lorne and Chris Rock helped, at first Chris Rock told her, now you're not ready. For years he said, now you're not ready. Find that voice, Leslie. Find that true voice. And eventually she was ready. You know, she had been doing comedy since 87. She was a college basketball player, but she just quit the team when she was at Colorado State and did an open mic. And she's like, oh, there it is. That's my calling. That's what I want to be doing. So she progressed and she progressed and she did the club scene. She went on tour. She opened for big names. She was on the comedy circuit for like 20 years. Got a little break here, got a little break there. But Chris Rock finally talked to Lauren Michaels and said, you got to see my girl, Leslie. And she finally auditions and she feels good about it. And then Lauren brings her into the office for this. I'm actually going to open up the memoir. I got it next to me right now. I, I dog-eared the page, so I might as well find it. Ah, uh, yes, here we go. Page 191. Lauren Michaels says, listen, Leslie, I'm so sorry. We didn't pick you, but I want you to come out here and write for us. And then she says, it took me a moment to understand what he was saying, right? That's what I was afraid of. And then she says, can I be honest, man? And he says, yeah, of course. And Leslie Jones says, I ain't no writer. I'm a performer. I'm an in front of the camera type. I'm not a behind the camera type. You're going to bring me out here and just waste me for writing? And then she said, death gave me courage. When you do see death up close, she said, it helped me not to be scared to say my truth. There was no fucking around anymore. No one was going to tell me what to do. Everyone had died. I figured I would die too. Why not? If they didn't want me and they didn't want no more Joneses in the world, I might as well go for it. Death gave me a new perspective. Death gave me everything. Like I said, they needed me, but I needed them too. 
I needed the right platform for me. I was 47, sitting in a car in the hood, about to have my nails done. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. I did know how to make it in this world, with or without SNL, but this sure would be nice, so I went for the shot. Take that shot, right? 27-year-old Leslie Jones doesn't speak to Lorne Michaels that way. 37-year-old Leslie Jones doesn't speak to Lorne Michaels that way. And I get it. I get it. As we grow up, we're getting closer to the end, so take some chances, right? Take some chances. What's holding you back? Right now, everyone is being held back by something. Are you self-conscious? Are you worried about how the public's going to react? Are you worried about being shot down? What are we all stressed about? What are we all so anxious and scared of? And that hit me. That's the beauty of aging. Maybe you start to care a little less about how you're viewed, how you're perceived. Status doesn't mean as much. Follow a dream, attain a dream. If it doesn't work out, fine. At least you could say you tried. That's actually what I tell high school players who are like, I played football last year, but I'm not going to play this year. Yeah, I went out for the team last year, but I'm like, when you're my age, you don't want to look back on that, even though you're probably not going to live in a world of regret, but still, you only get four years in high school. Don't look back on it when you're in your 40s and say, damn, I wish I, damn, I wish I. And when you're in your 20s, you're probably not going to seize the day every day in your 30s. Actually, no one can seize the day. It just sounds good. It's a good quote, right? Go seize the day. No, I can't. Most days are forgettable and just going through the motions. But when you do have those few opportunities that present themselves right in front of you, grab it, shake it, put it on the back of your tongue, swallow it, heave it up, gargle, spew it out. Blow chunks. What are we talking about? I got distracted. Oh, yeah. Seize the day. When the opportunity presents itself, this is the opposite of a motivational speech. You can't lose your train of thought in the midst of an inspirational Leslie Jones story. I lost my train of thought back there. But you feel me, right? <laughs> the guy who trails off but hopes the crowd is still with him. But you, you feel me, right? No, they're all leaving. No, they're exiting out the back door. You had them for a moment. They were interested in the memoir. Was the book good? And then you lost them. You lost all of them. But uh, seize the day, question mark? Yeah, tune in for my next episode when I finish that point. Yeah, most of life is not that. Most of life is not. I'm training for the moment where my dream's going to come true and then we idealize this incredible outcome, that's, nah, we're not living that. Most of us are just living in a world of irritations, right? Where each day the littlest thing could set you off. Like I have uh, sweatpants that have these zippered pockets and sometimes they catch the handle of a kitchen drawer and then I just open the drawer. I just walk by a kitchen drawer and uh, my pants open the drawer and I freak out with anger. God, why me? Why? Why me? I say, I scream to the heavens and all the girls are looking at me like, you, you okay? I was like, yeah, it's just these pockets. They catch the kitchen drawer. You know those things, like the littlest things that set you off? A pen that doesn't have ink. It runs out while you're writing. Oh, oh, oh boy. What else? You know you have them. We all have them. It's a long list of stuff. Even a flat tire. Someone behind you steps on your shoe and you have to just go, it's cool. Right? Because they apologize. That's how a flat tire works. Someone steps on the back of your shoe. If there's some foot traffic, they go, oh, my bad. Sorry. And you go, it's, it's okay. It's not okay. On the inside, it's what? Two seconds of absolute, unadulterated, pure, raw rage. 
No one does that to the back of my shoe. And then you just go, yeah, I'm good. Hey, I'm fine. Have a good one. Terrific. It's the little things that only give you two to three seconds of like a little kid tantrum meltdown. Because we still have the little kid in us. You know, when you see, I have a two-year-old. She'll have a tantrum here and there. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. She's at the I do it phase of life. She wants to do everything. But guess what? You can't. You want to unscrew that apple juice? Good luck. I've seen your hands. They don't have the strength. You don't have the dexterity or coordination, kid. So we're just going to waste our time. But you got to waste your time with letting them try to do it. I do it. I do it. And if you don't, if you zip her jacket, she wants to zip her jacket. Will she zip it? I don't know. We'll be here for 20 minutes watching those little fingers attempt to zip a jacket. But you got to let them or else it's meltdown mode. And that meltdown mode, she's going to grow up. My two-year-old daughter is going to be a 42-year-old woman at some point. And the kid that melts down because she wasn't allowed to zip her jacket because dad was in a rush in the morning when parents are in a rush and we expect the kids to care about time and getting places on time. Kids don't care. Of course they don't. But parents, we freak out. We're so stressed. But that little kid is still in you. All of us have to realize that. That kid's still in us. That's why little kid shit is so fun still. You kidding me? If I could get into a Chuck E. Cheese ball pit right now, try to have a serious face. Go into a Chuck E. Cheese ball pit and try to have a serious face and talk about climate change or talk about some world conflict. No, you're in a ball pit. We all need those moments. Finger painting, slip and slide. Why do adults enjoy all that stuff? Plus all kids menus. Let's be honest. Why is the most unhealthy food kids menus, but it's so good. It's so fucking good. Oh, what other kid activities and the kid in you comes out or the irritability comes out because you feel like you're an adult, but really you're not. Who cares if the pen doesn't have ink, right? Well, that's a pragmatic approach to a pen running out of ink. But when it happens, oh, it's very difficult. Come on, man. It's just a pen, brother. That's a classic. I sweat the small stuff indictment that's an indictment on a man who sweats the small stuff but not really the big stuff not always the big stuff the small stuff my wife and i share a morning vitamin i have my own she has hers she once took mine and put it in her vitamin drawer oh boy we didn't speak for a month a month you do not touch my morning prebiotic dear honey can we speak like level-headed adults? My Roomba, when it misses the crumbs, you just watch your little robot vacuum. Makes you feel advanced until you're like, wait, I could do a better job. You feel all Jetsons like, hey, we're in the future. Look at my Roomba going all over the room. And then you're like, it's just pushing crumbs around and it missed that pile of sand. And there's a lot of lint buildup. What, what are we doing, Roomba? Fuck, get out of here, Roomba. Windshield wiper, one's not working that well. It's not even wiping the water away. It's just kind of smearing the water. And you're like, these are not windshield wipers. They're supposed to clear my vision. Instead, it's just nothingness in my vision. Don't you hate when a bear bites you? Or don't you hate when someone else's cat shits all over your garden? Don't you hate it? You hate it. Don't you hate when someone coughs like a phlegmy cough and all they did was put a fist under their chin that didn't cover anything who taught you to just put a fist a rolled up fist under your chin near your mouth you coughed forward those germs are in the air do you hate when you say hi to someone and they have earbuds in hi 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 you have to scream it what are we going to prove here they're not listening to you 
Don't you hate when you text someone and they do the double exclamation points? They just click double exclamation point. You could click love, like, you could click dislike, uh, you could click haha, but what's double exclamation points? You're emphasizing something? I'm the one who just said it, and you're emphasizing. Just use words, all right? Just use words, folks. Running out of steam. Didn't get the full half hour today. Running out of steam. I taught about inventors today. Have you heard about Carnegie and Rockefeller too? How about Vanderbilt and J.P. Morgan? Yeah, here are their mansions. Here are their bank accounts. Were they robber barons or captains of industry? As all history teachers give them the old critical thinking exercise. But really, you know, from Thomas Edison to Alexander Graham Bell to the Wright brothers, this is exciting shit that is so boring to teens. Most teens are like, eh, you know, something It's just normal, these inventions. And then I go, but could you imagine a world before the video camera and afterwards, before electricity and afterwards, before lamps and afterwards, before recorded music and afterwards? Could you imagine a world without flight, without automobiles? And in my head, I'm like, you're killing it right now. Dude, you're killing it. Your analysis of inventions is amazing, Mr. Rosenberg. This class is enthralled. I mean, they're pretending to look bored, but they are enthralled. But then you ask yourself, wait, if I was in the desk, would I be enthralled that Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone? I don't think so. And that's why it's only what's current. In the world of inventions, it's only what's current that'll blow your mind. Because anything that was invented before you were born is just part of normalcy. And normalcy is not that exciting. None of us, most people don't know what's happening, right? When you flip a switch and electrons are moving all over the place and there's copper wiring as a conductor to create illumination in the room, no one gives a shit. But could you imagine going from, we're just holding candles, folks. We're just holding candles and lighting campfires. And then, whoa, um, yeah, let's go inside. Let's stay up later. We could work later now. That's amazing, right? It's amazing. But it's not, it's not amazing. It's like world news right now. It's so sad. It hurts so badly. But when I talk about the Civil War, if you're listening right now, does the Civil War actually make you sad? Be honest. And the answer is probably not, but it's so sad. The Civil War is so sad. I mean, how many young men just marched into their death based on whatever ideology they were indoctrinated with just marched right into their death? What, it's close to 700,000 deaths? The Civil War in about four years, about 700,000 thousand deaths are you sad about it right now as i say it no you're not because it's the 1860s but did you read a story today did you read a story today from israel that made you sad hell yes you did the type of sadness that made you feel so delicate and so angry and so depressed that you're like wait how do i go on with my day okay so take that exact story we all have read a story from israel in the last 10 days that has floored us with absolute despair, like the type of feelings that engulf you and stay with you and consume you where you feel off. You just feel so off that this could be happening, that humans can be doing this. And then you just know in 50 years when people read what was happening in October of 2023, I don't think they'll be that sad about it. Now, I could be wrong. Some people will be, but that's what I'm noticing is that history is captured in a paragraph or two in some 
historians' documents or primary sources that academics will study, or maybe they'll put you through a class or you do a few worksheets and handouts or watch a documentary on. But it's not the intense sadness of living through something that's so heavy and historic that you just don't know how to go on. And that is what gives you empathy for people of a previous era. It's necessary to not put your head in the sand. I want to. I want to put my head in the sand. Literally, I want to stop reading all news because the way it makes me feel. But you can't because you have to have compassion. You do. I went out with a couple buddies last night in Oakland. We got some Peruvian food at a place called Limon. Limon. It was great. The best ceviche I've ever had right in downtown Oakland. And we almost had to be intentional about like a checklist of conversational topics that we want to avoid just so we could get through a dinner. Because it's just not a fun topic. It's such a mood changer. It's not a fun topic. It's why I didn't do a podcast last week. It's why I'm struggling to even do one right now. I mean, it's on my mind. Israel is on my mind. And here I am talking about Jeff Bridges, man. And the impression's getting better. And you know the impression's getting better. And nobody has the right way of dealing with this. I mean, nobody this distant, like here I am in California reading news from the Middle East. And what do we do? We still go to our jobs. We still interact with our kids. And that's what we were talking about. If you're a parent right now, just looking into the eyes of your kids, those pure faces, that's the antidote. For me, I mean, that at least returns me to feeling some semblance of joy. That's how awful and brutal the news is right now, that I just have to take long looks into my kids' faces and stay there. Like it's medicine. Hey, looking into your face right now is medicine because you're pure and you don't even know the word war and this world should be better for you to grow up in. And I hope it is and I pray that it is. Uh, But come on, we've all lost faith in humanity a few times over the last week, right? I mean, how do you just stay hopeful? How? I mean, you can't. Hopefully in time, you know, you could be optimistic again that we'll learn and achieve peace and you could have those pep talks but really weren't there times in the last week where you're like oh we're totally fucked we're always going to be fucked no one learns lessons humans are just wired in a way that can't sustain any peace war is inevitable religious differences are inevitable religion in itself was inevitable that people would be so confused about their existence that they would just make up stories of let's pray to that let's pray to that let's have a higher power and let's let's create a story like this and let's sell the story and let's spread the story. And the story does get spread because people like answers. People like faith, susceptible to understanding something secure. And a community gets together. But then, wait, wait, wait. There's another group that doesn't have our rituals. And they don't worship like us. They don't look like us. They don't dress like us. They don't talk like us. And then hate develops because what? You don't want to share land or resources. Or you were told thousands of years ago that this belongs to me, not you. No, this belongs to me, not you. And then what is that license to mistreat? Is that it? I mean, what are we talking about? When when do we fix any of this? Oh, we don't. We don't. We just continue living. We just continue on this path until the day we die. This is getting very, very disheartening. But I think that's the mindset a lot of us are sharing right now. I mean, if you're going full throttle into the news stories... How could you not be disheartened right now? Sometimes it feels good to just say the obvious shit, right? Call a friend and go, I'm sad. You sad? Yeah, you're sad. Okay. Then we're united. Then there's a mutual support system of sadness. I've texted friends. You sad? Yeah, I'm sad. How you doing? Good. I'm here for you. You here for me? Great. Okay, move on. The obvious shit is all we can say right now. I'm not going to say anything overly intellectual right now. Absolutely not. You know I'm not. You already know. You've listened to enough episodes. You're like, he's not about to say anything. It's too earth-shattering, groundbreaking right now. There's not not a lot of intellectual analysis coming your way. Have I listened to some? Sure. Have I read some incredible op-ed pieces? I have. Am I going to spew them your way right now? No. 
I'm just going to say I'm sad about all that. And I'm going to end it. And I'm going to say I love you. And I'm going to say leave a rating. And I'm going to say most inventions from the 1800s don't wow you anymore. But something's being invented right now. Teleportation. That's right. That's right. Teleportation machines. They're coming. You just got to rapidly clone your atoms in another spot in the world and you could be rebuilt with your consciousness. Sure, that's crazy talk, but I'll leave this podcast with crazy talk because it starts with crazy talk and it actually started with Sloan. Now that I think about what I was talking about at the first, I Sloan, what is your favorite Muppet? And she said, how dare you? I said, what do you mean, Sloan? She goes, it's obviously Miss Piggy. I said, I know, Sloan. I just want you to say it. She winked at me. I winked back. I knew she wasn't going to say Kermit. Y'all knew she wasn't going to say no Kermit the Frog. Anywho, that's episode 222. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon, Sloan. Nice.